companionship. Uh, why? Because it's in our DNA. It's the way that the Lord made us. And, you know, just because that desire hasn't been met in your life, don't dismiss it. You know, quite often uh, when, we, when we don't have close friends, we just draw back into our shell and we start believing lies from the enemy like nobody likes me or I haven't got anything to offer. And, and, and you, don't, you stop reaching out, you stop pursuing friendship. I believe this year, as we grow, as the kingdom of God grows in our lives and as we lead people to Jesus, we also need to be aware to continue to go deeper in our relationship with one another and, and our friendship uh, with one another. And we all have a responsibility to pursue friendship to pursue relationship, and I've I be, become more aware of that in my life. You're not going to be best friends with everyone, but you can be best friends with someone and, uh, and, and some people. And as the Lord enlarges our heart, He's going to give us more capacity for relationship. And I'm just talking about husband and wife or brother and sister, but others, there's going to be people. So just... Ask the Lord in, during this, this break time, some of you got time off work, who do you want me to pursue this year? And who should I give my time? So, yeah, time is, is actually the, the most valuable commodity that we have in our life. And many of us give a lot of time. Most of our time goes into earning money that you can't take with you. So I believe we need to set aside more time to spend with the Lord this year and more time to spend in building uh, quality friendship, quality relationship. I think it's important to the heart of God. We see that the Trinity God existed uh, for a previous eternity in relationship, in friendship. There's no division, complete unity. And out of that complete unity came a desire to expand, to extend expand that beautiful relationship, that covenant relationship. So the Trinity got together and, and had a plan. Let us make man in our image. And we read that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. That is God's desire that he would, ex that he would extend his friendship. And what a privilege it is to be a friend of Jesus. Jesus came into the earth to pursue friends, friendship because we weren't listening. We weren't listening to the unseen God. So he came into the seen realm to take those who are seen into the unseen. <laughs> so he came revealed himself to mankind and said, this is, how, this is how we do relationship. When you find the sick, you heal them. When you find the lonely, you put your arm around them. You know, when you find those who are caught up in the love of money, you invest in them something greater than money. And when, when you find um, the demon possessed, you cast the demon out and you enable them to have quality uh, relationship and friendship. So the Lord is he's, he's in love with you and he desires you. He desires intimacy with you and he's gone to great extents. Um, the greatest extent that, that he can go to in, in, in actually uh, giving his life on the cross and as an offering. And so we see in the heart of the Trinity God is a, is a, is a, 
is a love of God, is a sacrifice of God. And we know that um, true love is self-sacrificial. True love lays down its life. And Jesus said that. He said, no greater love. There is no greater love that one would lay down his life for his friends. And we know he was talking about himself. So Jesus not only spoke the word, he was the word. He lived the word. And he made an example for us. And then he taught his disciples. He let his disciples walk with him. And he, he taught them this. He lived it before them. And then he gave them that commandment. Uh, and he said to them, as I have done to you, so go and do likewise. Um, so it's exciting. It's exciting to be a friend of God and to multiply his friendship into this world. And just awesome hearing uh, the stories. Nothing better than that, you know, hear, hearing people becoming... Um, removing the sin, the barrier in their lives and accepting uh, Jesus into their lives. So it's, yeah, it's, it's awesome. So any friendship in this world that's not based on self-sacrificial love, um, it's, it's less in God's ideal for your life. And true friendship has to be founded in self sacrifice because Jesus showed us that he he showed us the way to be a friend was to lay down your life and uh, I believe as we develop covenant friendships agreement when I say covenant friendships it's not weird you don't have to have a seance or you don't have to cut each other's blood and you know write any weird stuff or make any vows or commitments that's all been done through the covenant that the father had with the son. And, but a covenant friendship is basically an agreement that you will be somebody's friend um, as long as they have a desire to keep covenant with the covenant-keeping God. <laughs> so you will, uh, God will drop a desire in your heart for friendship with somebody and then you will get alongside them, you will invest time with them and that you will pursue them like Jesus pursued you and you'll encourage each other. You'll see, you'll see things in their life that doesn't line up with the Christ-like life and you will uh, be able to speak into their life and they in turn will speak into your life when there's things in your life uh, that don't match up with the Christ-like life. So it's letting down the walls removing the masks, the spiritual masks that many of us wear, uh, which are more deadly than the physical masks that some of you have on or most of you have on. They're not to be feared at all. It's, it's a spiritual mask that you can't see that God really dis despises. He doesn't, he's not at all deterred by the little paper mask that you're wearing. It doesn't stop his presence moving in your life. But, it, but it's, the, it's the unseen mask that many of us carry into his presence that, that he utterly despises. Why? Because he wants face-to-face he wants -face communion with you. And he wants nothing uh, in, in, in between your friendship. He wants to look in your eyes. And he wants you to hear his words. He wants you to unblock your ears. And he wants you to open your mouth in his presence and communicate with him. Uh, he's a good God. There's no reason to wear masks in his presence. And there's no reason uh, in, in fellowship, in friendship with one another. There's no reason to pretend. 
You don't have to pretend here. This is a safe place. We don't care if you failed this week. We just want you to be honest and um, just be open. And many of us are involved in revival groups. And the pur- one of the purposes of revival groups is just to encourage uh, intimate relationships, covenant friendships, where you can, you can get to know people, not just your own peer group, but intergenerational relationships. So moms and dads, brothers and sisters, and, and, and younger ones as well. And uh, so the world is crying out for genuine friendship. It's desiring it. And uh, we as a church, uh, we have that opportunity to show the world what genuine friendship looks like. Jesus said that. He said, they will know that you're my followers when they see the love that you have one for another. So when they see how genuine you are and how faithful you are in your friendships, in your relationships, uh, they will know that I'm in your life. So this year, let's not uh, ignore the promptings, the desire that God's put in within you uh, to have intimate connection, friendship. Uh, that, that's from God. Don't ignore it. Um, it, it, will, it won't go away. Uh, it doesn't matter how much time you spend with Jesus. When you come out of the prayer closet, uh, you, you'll look to relate to people. In fact, the more time you spend with the Lord in prayer, the greater your love for connection with people will be. That's been my, my experience. So for some reason, uh, you know, if we ignore intimate connection, if we ignore friendship, we become, uh, I think one of the reasons why we do ignore it is because of hurt and pain and disappointment in our lives, right? We've all, we've all been, you know, spoken harshly against we've all been you know bullied to some extent Um, we've all had words spoken against us and that creates pain and disappointment right in our lives and it's like a you know a snail when it gets its head out of the shell and you walk next to it and it it tenses up and goes back withdraws into the shell you know if, if that's been your experience um, I encourage you this year, make a decision to, to come out. Come out of your shell and just look around and just see who's out there <laughs> and look for genuine, genuine uh, friendship. So uh, pride, pride and uh, arrogance, self-righteousness, these are things which cause us to put walls up. You know, and stop people getting to uh, stop. It hinders people from getting to know you. You know, and um, I think one of the reasons why the spirit of homosexuality is so rife throughout this world is because men don't know how to how to be vulnerable anymore. Uh, men don't know how uh, to have genuine relationship, and there's this passivity, passiveness, passiveness. How do I say it? <laughs> Passivity, you know, it's just like a, a lethargic kind of attitude in, in the men in the culture of Australia. And I don't see that in, in some other cultures. But uh, I, I think it's because of, you know, the, po- the tall poppy syndrome and, and a lot of bullying and pull down at school. Men just crawl back into their shell. And, and you see a lot of men now uh, even struggling to... to to really step out and engage in relationship 
and not not just with other men but also with women you know we see a lot of men not just single for a, a long time and there's no there's no passion to engage uh, with another human being so I believe that that's actually it, it's a spirit of pride and um, selfishness and that needs to break uh, in Jesus name and um, we know this the sin of Sodom is not actually homosexuality the sin of Sodom is pride and abundance of bread it's, it's written in Ezekiel um, homosexuality is a product of that pride uh, because pride separates us uh, from God and it separates us from people it's difficult to have close friendship with a proud person right? because they're always conscious about you know uh, they're self-conscious and they put up walls and it's difficult to get to know them so yeah it's it's my prayer that uh, we, we would break down as, as men, I think as men need to learn uh, to lead in this area because the women don't struggle so much with being able to relate and having a desire to relate to others. Uh, but the men seem to struggle. So I think this year, uh, I believe God's going to help us as men uh, to, to really let down the walls and just be vulnerable with one another. And I'm going to get cups up. Uh, after after I share a few scriptures just to share his testimony because he shared an awesome uh, thought last week and uh, just want to want to get him to share. So Jonathan David, they're a really good example to us. In if we could have a quick look there in First Samuel chapter seventeen, I'm going to read from verse fifty-seven onwards, and uh, it's picking up the story after David had slayed Goliath. And he'd come back with the head of Goliath into Jerusalem. And uh, the city of Jerusalem was going absolutely nuts, absolutely wild. Um, because uh, they thought they were going to be slaves to the Philistines. Because no man in Israel was willing to fight uh, this giant Goliath. And um, the deal was that whoever um, was to stand up and fight Goliath, if, if they won then uh, the Philistines would be slaves to Israel. But if they lost, then Israel would be slave to the Philistines. And no one, there was, the, the, the threats went on for quite some time. And uh, the whole nation of Israel w- would have been trembling and in great fear because uh, no one would stand up to Goliath. But little David, we know the story, came with his, his slingshot and absolutely nailed Goliath. Jumped on him, took his sword and cut off his head. So the story goes that he brought his head back into Jerusalem and there was great celebration. So we we pick up there. So David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine. Abner, Abner's the head of Saul's army, took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, whose son are you? So David answered, I am the son of your servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant Because he loved him as his own soul, and Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David 
with his armour, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. Amen. Father, we just ask you would open our eyes and open our ears just to receive your word. We thank you that your word is life and health and sustenance to our body, soul and spirit. Amen. So we see here Saul, very impressed with this young man, David. We know that David uh, came to the rescue more than once in Saul's life. In fact, in previous, in previous uh, chapters, we see that Saul was having trouble sleeping at night because a spirit of fear would come upon him. So they called for David. David was a worshipper of God. And when he worshipped, he came with his harp and sat in the king's room and began to worship God with his harp. Just through that act of worship changed the atmosphere in the place and enabled Saul to be able to sleep at night. So we know from that that sleeplessness or sleep apnea, apnea, apnea? (laughs) insomnia. It's not from God, and it's a spirit. If there's anybody here that has trouble sleeping at night, uh, come and see me afterwards. We will cast that spirit out of your life. It's a demon. The Bible says that he gives his beloved sleep. That's his work. You don't need to strive to sleep or put on special music or this or that. Um, But Saul called for a man who operated in a higher spirit realm than what he was operating in. And when David came, he came with his worship, and we know angels came, right? The angels accompany worship, and the angels bring the presence of God. And we know when we worship here, you feel sometimes the atmosphere change. You feel the physical atmosphere change. And that's because there's things going on in the unseen realm. You know, there's angels actually coming and going, things taking place, and uh, bondages dropping off, demonic spirits being pushed back. There's a very real spiritual realm going on. So this young man, David, as Saul saw him, was a very impressive young man. And he asked him this question, whose son are you? Because he knew that there was something uh, that Saul was something going on with David that Saul wasn't seeing. So his his thought was, "What what's the story with your father? How did you get like this?" He realized that this man, that David, had not lived long enough to be able to, in the natural realm, be such a mighty warrior that not even Abner the head of his army was able to stand up to Goliath. But this young boy was able to defeat the mightiest man in the Philistine army. And uh, take note that worshipping the Lord in secret, as you worship God in secret, it will bring you uh, before kings. And uh, you'll, you'll be an influencer on this earth. You'll change environments and you'll change, change people's circumstances. If you continue to pursue worshipping 
God in secret. In due time, he will bring you before people and he will bring you into the public. David was faithful uh, in his worship of the Lord and uh, he, he was able to uh, be faithful in his work. He was faithful in looking after his father's sheep. Uh, he protected his father's sheep from the bear, from the lion. And he did that in secret and then God exalted him. The Bible says if we humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God, in due time he will exalt us. And we see this in David's life. But this is a pattern uh, for all of us. To, that it's, it doesn't start from uh, in, in the world. It's a different scenario. But in the kingdom, you don't start on the platform. You don't start in the public eye. If you did, you wouldn't have the character to keep you there. Because in, in the kingdom of God... Uh, when you stand up in front of people, you become a target. But it's, it's in the secret place that we learn uh, to serve God when no one else is watching. So that when God exalts us before people, we'll, we will have the character and the fortitude to be able to stand. So David answers uh, King Saul. He says, I am the son of your servant Jesse. And I believe he went on to describe the nature of his father. And he gave Saul and Jonathan a little bit of a glimpse of his background and he gave a little bit of a glimpse of his father's character and nature which helped them to understand who he was and why he was able to slay the giants. And I, I believe we've got to read between the lines. But whatever David said, by the end of his discourse, the Bible says, when he is finished speaking to Saul, that Saul's son, Jonathan, his soul had been knit to the soul of David. His soul had become entwined with David's soul. So he must have been speaking for some time, I believe, about his father. And I'm reminded about my father also. Uh, my father, I didn't know him very much actually, um, but I was, I was adopted into um, my real father's family. It's by the spirit of adoption. And um, the same spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit is known as the spirit of adoption. And, and I believe he's, 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 he's touching your life, even here in this room. And he's causing you, to, he's drawing you to the Heavenly Father. And I had that experience in my life. So I know the Heavenly Father. And I, I think David knew him as well. It was, it was obvious. So he's... he's uh, He's giving a, a discourse about his, his heavenly father. And we know the heavenly father, he is, he's full of mercy, he's full of grace, he's incredibly strong, he is powerful, he's almighty, he's the El Shaddai God, he's the all-sustaining God, he's, he's a mother-like God, he's a nurturer, um, he's the creator of the universe. He's the Alpha, the Omega. He's the beginning of the Greek alphabet. He's the end of the Greek alphabet. He's the living bread. 
He's the water of life. He's the lily of the valley. He is a God that owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And he's willing to be your God. He's a God of sacrifice. He's a God of love. And he's a God that sent his son, Jesus, into the world. And he desires to be your father. And uh, I believe David had the opportunity to talk to Saul and Jonathan about his father. And I was thinking about Jesus, you know, when Jesus was in the school playground or the synagogue and he was mixing with the other boys and little boys like to talk about their dads, you know, and, and I reckon they would have been saying, you know, well, my dad's, uh, my dad's uh, you know, a, a, sh- a shop fitter and someone else said, well, my dad fixes chariots and someone else is like, well, you know, my dad's a centurion in the Roman army. And, uh, and then Jesus just sitting there quiet and, and they look to Jesus and say, well, Jesus, what's your dad do? And, he's, and Jesus is like, well, which one? <laughs> and, uh, and, and they said, what do you mean, Jesus? He said, well, i got two dads. One's, one's a carpenter. He's awesome. He's got a great shop, great business, and I help him after school, you know. But my other dad, well, he, he lives in another place called Mount Zion, and uh, he's got hundreds and millions of, of, of servants, and they got wings, and uh, he lives in a massive castle, and he's so rich, and, and, he, and he sends me whatever I need. You know, he's always sending me gifts, and, and we, we talk, we communicate, you know, and it's like, what? <laughs> so Jesus just rattling on about his father. I think, you know, something similar uh, David had going here. And uh, when he stood before Goliath, he came not with his own strength and his own ability, but he came with the God of Israel. And he said, who are you to, to speak against my father? Who you speak against the God of Israel? And uh, I believe some of us here may have been let down by earthly fathers. And I know uh, I consider myself by, you know, reasonable standards that I look around that I'm a reasonable father. But I know that I've let my kids down. You can ask them. I've, I've disappointed them. Uh, but, you know, if, if their salvation was dependent on me and their success in life was dependent on, on me, then, then, I've, then I would have failed and left them as failures. However, I was able to introduce them to a father of lights uh, in whom there's no variableness, there's no shadow... And there's no failure, but there's utter perfection. And so it, it doesn't matter whether you've got a good father or a bad father. Whatever your father is, he, he, he's, he's not enough for you. There's a perfect father that you are designed uh, to, to have uh, an intimate relationship with. So in order to be a giant slayer in your life, we all want to have an impact in this world, right? Yeah? We all want to slay some giants and make an impact uh, we, we have to have our identity right. This is one of the first things that we, we learn as a new creation. We're new creations in Christ. Our identity is no longer in our failure. Our identity is no longer in our family of origin. It's no longer in the, 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 whether your father, your natural father, is a good father or a bad father. 
Your identity is not in, in the, the place of your upbringing, on the amount of money that your parents have in your account. Your identity is not uh, whether you went to a private school or a state school or you were homeschooled. Your identity is rooted in the Father's love for you. End of story. He loves you so much that he gave his son that which was most precious to him to bring you back, to bring you into sonship so that you, you would leave your identity of your failed life and take on the identity of the Father through Christ. And David's identity was secure and Saul sensed that but he didn't know how to put it in words. That's why he said, who is your father? What's going on? Why are you like you are? <laughs> How come when you come and play that instrument, all the devils leave me and I can sleep? How can you walk onto the battlefield as a little boy and defeat this mighty warrior? Saul knew that this, this kid had an identity uh, which was far deeper and far more exuberant, far more powerful than what he had. While Jonathan is sitting there listening to that discourse, Jonathan's thinking, well, my father's not like that. My father's angry. My father's uh, frustrated. My father's anxious. My father's been manipulating me my whole life. And my father's trying to control me. In fact, I need to get away from this spirit of control. I need to get out of this palace and I need to follow you, David. So what, what Jonathan does as the prince and as the next heir to the throne, he takes his royal robe, his valuable royal robe that only the prince gets, and he gives it to David, thereby signifying that, David, you are the next rightful king. I will not sit on this throne I now give it to you. He then takes his sword, which signifies his, his, his ability to fight, and he says, I'll give you my sword. And while you have your sword, in, while you have this sword in your hand, David, I feel safe. And this is, this is how we fight our battles. Amen? Not by our own strength, not by our own sword, but by his strength and by his sword. Jesus Christ is coming back and with one foul swoop, he's going to take full uh, victory, full dominion. He's coming back on a white horse with a sword uh, in his mouth. So David's soul, when he realised, uh, well, when Jonathan realised that David's identity was so secure in an eternal father, he realised, I need that. I need that. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to give you my soul. And uh, covenant friendship is based on something which is more powerful uh, than what we can offer people in the natural. And that is, uh, that is relationship with God, relationship with a, with a father. Jesus came uh, to, to draw people back, but he, he said some interesting words. One of the things that Jesus said was, I don't come to bring peace, but I come to bring a sword. And I come to divide households. I come to separate um, father and son, mother and daughter, and etc. Not that uh, <clears throat> separation is God's desire. He wants unity. He wants relationship. He wants friendship. But man, because of the hardness of his heart, doesn't accept Christ. 
And uh, in order to be in God's family, uh, there, there may be a period of, of time in our life that we need to move out. We need to move out from family members, uh, those who, whom you are close to. You may need to move aside from them, move away from them for a period of time in order to be reunited to the family of God. And uh, we know in Jonathan's case, his father was very manipulative, very controlling, and was trying to hold, hold him down. And uh, Jonathan had to make a decision. I'm going with David. And uh, as hard as it may be, uh, it will bring long-term fruit in our lives. And um, so we see David went out. He had to leave the palace, even though he was anointed king by the prophet Samuel. Uh, Saul wanted to kill him, so he had to flee into the wilderness. And the story goes that he found himself in the cave, in a certain cave called Adullam. And there was, uh, scriptures say that there was 400 uh, men that came to him in that cave. And these men uh, became David's mighty men. Yeah? Um, they, they actually came together and made an agreement with each other to bring David back to Jerusalem. Why? They were, they were distressed and they were uh, discouraged. They were despondent. Why? I believe because their city, their country was being ruled by a man by the name of Saul who was under a spirit of witchcraft, a spirit of control. And because of that, the land was cursed. And um, they came, these 400 men, they came to David at his lowest point in life. And they came to him because they, they, they saw something in David that they didn't see in King Saul. And uh, it's amazing. First Samuel chapter 22, verse 2. It says, everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them. David became captain. And there were about 400 men with him. So is anybody here tonight discouraged? Is anyone distressed? Is anybody here discontented? Is anyone not satisfied with the relationships or friendships that you have in your life? It's time to come to David. It's time to come to Jesus tonight. We have an opportunity to come to Jesus and to be gathered to him. Let him be your captain. Let him be your leader. And some of the most amazing stories in, uh, in the remainder of 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, you can read about the acts of these 400 men. They became David's army. 400, they became his mighty men. And they became so powerful because they came under his authority. And they learnt... They learned to become mighty warriors. And in fact, one of, actually one of my favourite stories is one of David's mighty men. It's written in the scriptures that he saw 
a lion in a pit and it was a snowy day and he went down into the pit and he defeated the lion. And that's all it says, <laughs> just because he could. I mean, these guys, and the thing that we have to understand is how much security and how much confidence does a man need to have to jump into a clay pit on a snowy day and just take on a lion, just, to, just for the sake of it. I mean, his, his confidence was so secure that he was able to do that. But this was a man that was discontent, discouraged, despondent in life. But just through being with David, just through hanging out with David, he, his whole uh, outlook in life was changed, that he was ready. He was ready for any battle. And the Philistines weren't around, so I'll just practice on this lion. I'll just take him out. <laughs> There's another guy uh, that defended a field of lentils by himself against this battalion of Philistines. And as the Bible's written, it's written that he planted himself in the field of lentils and he held on to the sword and he just, just slayed every man that came against him. And the whole Philistine battalion or um, section of the army, he defeated every single one of them and he fought off the field of lentils. The Bible says that his, his hand, he, he struck so many that his hand clave to his sword. And uh, we know that's a beautiful picture of, of the Word of God. And in battle, um, we, we fight with the Word of God and, and we cleave to the Word of God. We cleave to the promises of God. And we know we, it's, it's a battle, it's a fight. And Christian life, we're, we're, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a field of roses. We're actually entering into a fight. Why? Because there's a battle going on in heaven and we're joining with the Lord in that battle. Um, yeah. Yeah, so welcome to life. <laughs> but, you know, we're not, you know, the encouraging thing is that you're not meant to fight alone, even though that guy stood in the, mil- in the middle of the field of lentil- lentils and fought it off. Uh, he got his strength from companionship. He got his strength from fellowship. He got his strength from, from these covenant relationships that he'd, he joined with these 400 other men and said, let's commit our lives to this purpose that David uh, would become the rightful king. And uh, we know covenant relationship, it's all about exalting Jesus. And it's all about saying, I give my life for that purpose, that Jesus would be the rightful king in this world. And whether President Trump gets in or somebody else, it doesn't matter. Jesus is the rightful king. And as we give, we give ourselves to each other, we give ourselves to the Father uh, for this purpose, I think Jesus will be exalted. It's a lifetime commitment. So... Just in finishing, I believe we need to discern who we enter into friendship with. And one thing that these 400 men had in common was that they had one purpose. 
to see David exalted, to see David made king. So you can really choose uh, anyone as long as they have that desire. There may be some failure in their life. They may not be perfect. But if there's a desire there to see Jesus exalted in their life, then we have an obligation to get alongside that person, not to isolate yourself and to leave them, but to get involved in their life. And the Revival Groups is a great way uh, to cause you to interact with, with people that you wouldn't usually necessarily sit with or get to know. And there may be somebody in this room whose friendship with you is going to change your destiny. So when you choose your friends, you choose your destiny. Your friends are going to determine your destiny. The people that you spend time with, the people that you journey with in this Christian life, they, they will more or less journey with you into your future on this earth. That's why it's important uh, the Bible says how blessed it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's a dwelling together with one purpose, to make Jesus king in this earth. And we don't want to waste our time exalting men and trying to, you know, lift men up. We want to lift Jesus up. We want to lift up the rightful king. And uh, David... Even at this low time in his life when he was even acting crazy, he was poor, he had no money, he was destitute. But he found true friendship. These 400 men came and gathered around David and said, you know, we're here for you. Even though the women had stopped singing on the streets. They remember when he came back from defeating Goliath, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands, but David is 10,000. How awesome you are, David. We love you. You're the best. But at this time in his life, when he was hit rock bottom, these 400 men gathered around him and lifted him back up. And that's a picture of covenant relationship, covenant friendship, that when someone falls, we get beside them, we lift them up, um, because Jesus, Jesus is king. As uh, Sim, that's it, man, that's the message. Jesus is king. So Jonathan had to break an alliance with his father who was controlling his life and telling him, David must die, otherwise you will never be king. So Jonathan had to sever that relationship and, uh, so that, that Jesus would be exalted. So we need to discern the relationships in our life. Are they pulling us down or are they lifting us up? Is uh, Jesus being exalted through our relationships so I'm just going to quickly, two, two, uh, two words of advice from the Word of God on how to increase your friendships this year, in 2021. Who would like more friends this year? I mean, let me reword that. Who? <laughs> You're all thinking, oh, gee, not more. Um, who would like more genuine friendships this year? <laughs> okay, there we go. All right. So there's two, two ways we're going to get more real friendships this year. And I've got two scriptures. First one, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 20. It says, A poor man is hated even by his own neighbor, but the rich has many friends. 
<laughs> so don't be poor. You'll be hated. <laughs> you have to reach. So other. Um, okay. Well, maybe we might. Some of us might have to rob a bank or something. Um, <laughs> no. But true riches is available to us, you know, and, and uh, you know, my father is, my true father is wealthy. Your father is wealthy. He's the most wealthy man in the universe. And he owns, yeah, the cattle on a thousand hill. There's no limit, limit to his wealth. And as you get to know your identity as a son of such a great king, you will know your wealth and you'll know that what you have is so valuable. What is inside you, relationship with that king of kings, that wealthy king, you can share. You can share with others. And quite often, uh, we, we don't have our identity founded in that rich king, so we undervalue what we have. We don't share it out. We don't give it out. But when others realize that you have contact with such a wealthy king, uh, they, will get, they will gather around you. They will want to be your friend. Uh, because a poor man can't, uh, doesn't have anything to offer. Poor man's always begging and always asking. Uh, you know, he's concerned about his daily, his, his next meal. But a, a wealthy man has enough to give. And a wealthy man doesn't have to worry about, uh, you know, where he, he, he gets the money to feed his family. So we're all wealthy here. We're all wealthy because we have relationship with a wealthy king. So that's the first the first way, first principle, Bible principle that, that we can apply to our lives to get some genuine friends. Um, the second way is, uh, is, is also very, very profound. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> uh, Maybe you don't have genuine friendships because you're not very friendly. <laughs> uh, but that's okay. You can change this year. We can, you can ask somebody, ask your friends, how do you find me? Am I friendly? And they'll, they'll just say, oh, no, you're cool, you're fine. And then you just stay there and you say, no, tell me. Tell me, what do you think about my friendship? How can I improve myself? How can I be a better friend? And, and you keep asking until they tell you, until they're honest with you. Because most of us just carry these walls around and we don't allow people to input into our lives. And so, so we don't invite genuine friendship because we're not open and we're not honest and we don't stay there long enough. But a man who has friends uh, must himself be friendly. Uh, so what we sow, we reap. So make, let's make a decision this year as we are growing this year. And the Spirit of the Lord said he's going to bring new people into the kingdom and into this family. We're going to grow. But let's grow deeper in our friendship, in relationship, and make a decision not to come to church, not to go to revival group with walls, but just let down the walls and just let it all out. Um, you, you are attractive. You are beautiful. You are loved by the Father. And you have qualities that nobody else in this world has. And you are to be known, but you must let yourself be known. And uh, just ask the Lord just to make you friendly, help you to be friendly, change you. Some of us have adopted, uh, you know, just false pretenses. And we've taken on 
because of hurt and rejection, we've, we've taken on lies from the enemy that, we, with it, that we're no good and we don't have anything to offer. That's a lie. You have something to offer the world that nobody else has. You, are, you have gifts and abilities that nobody else has. And uh, there is no friend uh, like, as the song goes, we used to sing a song, there is uh, no other friend like Jesus. And there's, there's no other friend like the lowly Jesus. And, and we know the Bible says that there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's Jesus. He's a friend to you and he sticks closer to you than your brother so that you can be that same friend to somebody else. That's how we expand his kingdom. So, yeah, this year I'm going to get um, cups up. You can remove your mask. And um, cups removed his mask last week when we weren't wearing masks. <laughs> And, yeah, spiritually, um, as I said at the start, um, it's not the physical mask that really grieves God's heart. It's a, it's a spiritual mask that we wear. And I pray that this year we will remove those uh, spiritual masks uh, because we want to know you, you personally. We don't want to hear about all your uh, exploits and everything, how great you are. We want to know you who you are. And uh, so let's just be open and vulnerable. And as we enter into revival groups, if, um, you know, just head in there and just say, Lord, I want some deeper, meaningful relationships this year. Amen. God bless you. So brother, you can share your testimony. Bless me last week. And um, you're going to hand back to Sim. He's going to close up with a prayer. Or you can elect somebody else. Someone like Nick. <laughs> Thanks, Jules. I actually just want to acknowledge uh, Sim's announcement, probably the best announcement I've ever heard in the last 23 years I've been on this earth. So, uh, praise God. Um, yeah. I don't actually realize how impactful it was. I mean, it's such a blessing to be able to you're in a you're in a season of your life where you pray to the Lord and you and you see the fruit of the prayer that has come and it's something like uh, I want I wanted to I wanted to be more involved in people's lives I wanted to see um, more people be involved in my life I wanted to see people come out of a mindset of poverty a mindset of I'm worth nothing um, so I remember praying a prayer a long time ago saying um, oh, I can't remember exactly what I said but it was more around the lines of um, Lord, can you help me to to be to be more involved with people's lives and to get to know people and actually have fun making friends and have fun being involved with people with people that I've never never met before, especially having a, a different culture. Me being in a different country uh, for a lot a lot of my life, um, it was different coming here for the, for the very first time. Um, and part of that uh, part of that transition was the Lord had shared with me the heart that I had for those people, but I didn't know how to pursue that. I didn't know how to make friends. I didn't know, because actually, I'll, I'll take it back a little bit just to give a bit of context. Um, I was kind of, I was, I would consider myself, I was, I was a loner in school. I didn't, uh, I never knew how to make friends. I was bullied quite a lot when I was probably pretty much my entire childhood. And like Jules was saying, um, just walls came up. All these things came up and I blocked myself off from, pe from people. I never thought I was good enough for anybody. I didn't think I was good enough for friendships. I didn't think I was good enough for anyone. And so 
because I had that as my foundation coming to coming to an area of my life where I realized I needed people in my life. I needed people to be influenced, to influence me in a good way. I didn't know the Lord at this point, but um, when I came to that point, I didn't know how to do it. And, 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 it, set, and it set my heart on fire. And I'm like, I'm going to be like this for the rest of my life. I'm going to be lonely. I'm not going to have anyone to, you know, spend time with. I'm not going to have any, let alone even like a wife or anything like that. I thought that for a long time in my life. And that's why I resonate so well with what Jules has been saying is because we get hurt by what, 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 has, what has happened to us, what has been spoken over us at such a young age. And, and to be honest, kids can be so nasty. And like a lot of that is influenced from their parents. A lot of that is influenced from the people that they're around. And it's Satan at the end of the day. But um, kids can be so nasty and they can just, they can fire off these, these shots that just stay with you for years and years and years and years and years. And you get bitter and bitter and bitter and bitter and bitter. And you just get, it gets worse and worse. Um, and so, um, yeah, I came to a point in my life, I wanted to make a change. Um, and I didn't know how to do that. And there was no one there for me. Um, no one was there to, to help me out. No one was there to pick me back up. Um, no one was there to, to love me. And it wasn't until I found Christ um, two and a half years ago now. Um, and even as I found Christ over the last year and the year and a half, it, um, it was still difficult because I was still trying to understand the Father's heart and who I was in Him, my identity in Him. Now that I have given myself to Christ, I'm a new creation and I, my identity is, li- is laid in Him now. And there was something I couldn't grasp until probably only like literally the last five months. The last four months now, it's, it's so, you go through stages in life. It's like, okay, I've just become a Christian. I, I'm going through this process of, I don't even know if God is actually real. And then you get to that point, it's like nothing can, nothing can like, there's just no way I can believe that God isn't real now. You just go through these phases. It's like, this becomes your heart. This becomes your heart. This becomes your heart. This becomes your heart, but it becomes, but it's a process first. And that's a transition that I've, that's the the renewing of your mind. That's the renewing of your heart. And um, that was, um, that was very significant for me. And so as I continued to find myself over the last five months, it became embedded and rooted. It's like my identity is now in Christ and no one can actually take that away from me. No matter how much, no, no, matter, some, no, no matter how much somebody could hurt me, no matter how much somebody could, could say nasty things to me, it's just, I can't believe it now. Like you, you can't explain it, but you just can't believe it because that's, that's just who you are now. That's your foundation that's within you. And it, I don't know how to describe it as much. I don't know how to describe it to, to the best of my ability, but this is something that you walk with in your relationship with the Lord, the more you spend time in a secret place, the more you love Him, the more you love others. Um, anyway, so back to kind of what I was... So through that process, God gave me a heart for people. God gave me a heart because, because I was like that. I never had that person to go to, to lean upon. Um, in the physical, I always had... Well, no, I didn't have Christ because I didn't know back then, but now I do. But... God gave me a heart for those people to reach out to those people to be like, Lord, I want I want to be that person that someone can lean upon. I want to be that person that if someone's going through some hard struggles, they can come. Hey, cups, I'm doing, I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm going through the stuff, and I need help. I'm like, bro, I'm there. I'm, I'm I'll, I'll drive it to your house right now. And because I, because I never had that, I want that for that person now. So I feel like a lot of a lot of what we do, or a lot of what, no, no, not what we do, but a lot of. Uh, Experience is one of the main things that, well, not, yeah, one of the main things that Christ 
helps us to find the desires of our hearts. And from what I experienced, I now use for good. And that's, that's, that's the transition of my heart over the last five months. And that's what I'm wanting to do. And it's been on my heart. We've had, we've had it through prayer night. It's been on my heart. We've, we've prayed about it. We've interceded for people. We've interceded for suicide. We've interceded for people that are just in such dire need and just need people. And I think it's so important for us as a church. Um, I think, but I also think it's important that we are spiritually ready for that. You don't want to be, well, I don't want to limit anyone. I don't want to limit God, but you don't want to be in a position where you're learning how to be, you're learning to find yourself. You're learning to be um, steadfast in your identity in Christ. You don't want to be in that area of maybe influencing someone's life if you're still trying to figure out. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Does that resonate with people? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a shallow area for me, but it's like, yeah, you need to be in the right place to be able to be a support for somebody. And I think it's so important for us as Christians when we have come to that place of realisation who you are in Christ, just go, go, go out and be a light to those who, who don't know. Like, why not? Um, even, even brothers and sisters in, in the church, even, even like unbelievers, non-believers as well. Like, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, so that's just a short uh, part of my testimony, I guess. So thanks, Jules. So, Cups, maybe just one thing before you go, man. Um, what, uh, just to sum it up, what advice uh, would you give those who want to, are struggling to, to have close relationships, close friendships? Um, what advice would you have for them to to help them to you know reach out and just break down those walls. That's a good. That's 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 a good question. Um, um, I think the most important one, um, and we have spoken a lot about it in men's group, is vulnerability, and being okay with sharing your burdens with someone else. Um, and realizing that there is no judgment in the body of Christ, and anyone in in the body of Christ that that like that does judge according to whatever somebody is going through, it's just not it's not right. It's demonic. You don't do that. We don't, we're not here. We're not here to judge. We're here to build up, and we're here to encourage and bring them back into an area where. They can, they can be loved and, and they can like find Christ being our first love. So I think vulnerability would be the number one thing is to be okay with sharing your burdens with, with someone else um, and being okay with letting your walls down, letting somebody into your heart. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, vulnerability. Yeah. <laughs> well said, brother. One of you uh, young Māori men want to pray? Tell us about your father, Sim. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I just want to as well affirm um, Kapoor because he, he's saying something that he's actually lived out these last few months too, which I've really seen his heart just open up and that vulnerability. Um, yeah, not be something talked about, but something lived and let people into his heart and come out of the 
four walls of the house and, and in some awesome relationships with some brothers. So I'm in privilege to be a part of being one of those guys. So yeah, thanks bro for sharing that, man. It's beautiful. Um, yeah, I'll just thank the Lord for all of us. <laughs> you guys can close your eyes or just have a moment with the Lord. And yeah, we just thank you, Father, just for yeah for for being such a beautiful such a good father and for caring for each and every one of our needs and yeah thank you that you've lavished just every spiritual blessing upon us and and every spiritual provision that we need to excel and thrive spiritually lord and also thank you that you actually give us and and desire to give us um yeah every relational provision that you've actually designed in us for for close relationships and and brothers and sisters and um yeah, even husbands and wives, Lord, we just thank you for those desires for intimate relationships um, that, that you are the answer to, that the provision comes through your hand, Lord, and not through our striving and our ability, but you're actually just that good a provider. You want to give us, yeah, every good um, gift and every good blessing for that's the kind of father you are, that yeah, every good and perfect gift comes from above, comes from you, Papa. So I just thank you for this family that is also a gift from you. It's a blessing from you. Um, to my own life and I just thank you for the privilege to be in such a beautiful yeah loving caring family Lord and I just thank you for the yeah the the blessing of an increase and a multiplication in this family there's going to be more brothers more sisters um Lord and I just pray just for a uh, yeah just a caring tender heart towards those who come into this into this house Lord that we would care for those um young ones those newborns in your kingdom Lord and just uh yeah, just pray for an awareness for this family as well to see the ones that maybe are isolated, maybe are off on their own and, and just bring them um, into relationship and uh, into, into family, into your family, Papa. So it's just on you, Holy Spirit, for yeah, adopting us and bringing us into a revelation of the Father. And thank you, Jesus, you are the revelation of the Father. You are the Son and um, the one who shows us who our Heavenly Father is. So just, yeah, just on you, Papa. Just thank you for... Yeah, being a father that really doesn't exist on this earth, you are you're above and beyond what um, a good a good earthly father is. You you exceedingly and abundantly provide and, and care for each and every one of our needs. So, and I would just pray that Father, you would provide um, for every need in this room, Lord. Um, thank you for your abundant riches and provision um, for our needs, Lord. And I just pray that there'll be yeah even answers this week to to needs in people's hearts. Uh, longings in their heart and, and desires for even relationship and friendship um, yeah for brothers and sisters and just support networks around them God I just pray that there be answers um, to those heart cries Lord that you would just yeah you would be the answer and you would bring people to be the answer um, so I just bless your name and just honor you and thank you Jesus Amen Alrighty we can head out and take your mask off and have some time with each other and go for dinner and do whatever you want to do